Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 13 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for our regular hockey talk discussion. We'll also have our friend and colleague Luke Chelios on later. He's sharing some thoughts uh, today and uh, news about future Kraken player prospects who are currently in the minor and junior leagues. For those of you new to our program, we want to let you know that we release episodes approximately every two weeks with occasional added special editions. On our episodes, we'll discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken. On our program, we'll share news about the team, analyze their play, and various team news. Uh, We'll occasionally present some interviews with people involved with the team as well as the fan community. Plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as our own website, KrakenFanCast.com. Please visit KrakenFanCast.com for everything related to our show. All of our episodes are on there, and even our YouTube channel is integrated with our site. And also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CastKraken, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. All right, let's dive in. There's been a lot of hockey since our last episode. Um, You know, what can we say? They've been a game against Buffalo. Arizona, Vegas, Anaheim, Minnesota, and Chicago. So uh, we'll kind of generally go into all that. So, I mean, the Buffalo game, and what can we say? That that felt good. That really felt like a great game. It was after a tough loss against Edmonton in Edmonton. Had a couple days break, and they come back home and take care of Buffalo pretty handily, 5-2. to two. That was significant because it was a nice home win, but it was also significant because it was the very first Kraken hat trick. Jordan Eberle, who started off uh, his goal scoring was a little slow, a little quiet at the beginning of the season. And uh, he's really uh, come on strong since then and was no stronger than that particular game. Three goals was a beautiful, uh, beautiful display by Jordan Eberle. And that was a great game to see. And we're feeling pretty good, right? Hey, you know, they're right in the mix, looking good against Buffalo. And they're going to be playing arguably the worst team in the NHL a couple of days later, the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, that, that shouldn't be a problem. They get off to a big start. Hey, they were, you know, the goalie for the Coyotes is pulled and it's feeling good. And, oh, my God, since the third period of that Arizona game, the wheels have kind of fallen off somewhat. Uh, they ended up losing that game five to four. I'm, I'm missing most of that game, unfortunately, that night because uh, of another commitment. But I'm I'm checking in on the scores and I, I can't believe my eyes lost five to four. Really? Huh. Well, that happens to every team. You lay an egg. It happens. You regroup. Got a couple of days off. Play the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Lose four to two. OK, back home again. Playing the Anaheim Ducks and I'm Ducks. They they. Terrible team last year, arguably a little better this year. Well, actually, this part of the season, they're a lot, lot better. They've won eight out of the last 10, one of those eight, against our own Seattle Kraken of the uh, very high-scoring game, 7-4. to four. Anaheim wins that game. All right. Kraken on a little bit of a slide here. 
not looking great, but hey, they can beat, they can bounce back. They play Minnesota. They beat Minnesota the last time, and they're playing Minnesota at home. Good chance here. It's a Saturday night. People are going to be hyped up. Oh, but that day, the Wilds, Cam Talbot decides to have a really good game, and uh, Kraken have other little problems along the way, and they lose that game four to two. Not a pretty game. Time to regroup. Few days off. Hextall, you know, cancels a practice, has talks with the team. Okay, let's let's get focused here. Okay, happens to every team somewhere along the line. This is okay. This is a new team. They still need chemistry. They still need time to gel. It's okay, right? They're going to be playing the Chicago Blackhawks, who are kind of struggling. They have a similar record of the Seattle Kraken, the Seattle Kraken have. So, and Chicago is going to come to Seattle. This is feeling good. Good chance to bounce back here. Uh, well, no. Uh, first half of the game. They look listless. The Seattle Kraken look listless, that is. Uh, around midpoint of the second period, they start to come on fire, but they get, they dug themselves in a hole. They're down three to nothing, but did show some fire and uh, made it a three to two game, but uh, a little too little too late. And then thanks to an empty netter, they lose that game four to two. So as we record this, this is the uh, day after the Blackhawks game. They're going to be coming up uh, with some games coming up uh, in the next few days, quite a few games against Colorado Avalanche, who aren't, aren't bad, but aren't setting the world on fire. Then play the Washington Capitals. They're one of the two teams that have the best record in the NHL. Uh, then you've got the Carolina Hurricanes a couple of days later, also one of the best records. Oh, and then uh, two days later, you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, well, you're a Stanley Cup winning champions right there. They're no slouches, and you got to play them in Tampa. And then uh, staying in Florida, oh, the Florida Panthers. No, it's not uh, It's not the Florida Panthers teams of uh, yesteryear. No, folks, this team is fantastic. Uh, also a, a, a very strong Eastern Conference team, and uh, they've got to play them in Florida. So uh, very tall tests coming up. And I'm one of those people. I, I understand a lot of people get a little bit uh, frustrated with some some of those of us who get really critical of the team and get frustrated. And I get it. It's an expansion team. No, I was not expecting them to be the Vegas Golden Knights. No, I wasn't expecting them to you know go gangbusters and be one of the best teams. I know there's going to be time to gel. This needs the time to adjust. But the thing that frustrates me is like it's not like I'll, I'll i'll make a i'll use an anecdote here i was in discussion with a couple of people in the last couple of days about the seattle mariners a lot of mariners fans of course were fans of seattle kraken and you know mariners have been struggling for a long time but a lot of those mariners mediocre teams of recent years were almost like minor league teams they're really young teams they're like you know revamping that team constantly i my expectations of those mariners teams is really low in normal normal times, maybe my expectations would have been low for the Kraken, but dang it, I've seen these guys, and you all have too if you've been watching, showing some great skill. Pound for pound, they've been playing most of these games. Some 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 games they get they get their butts kicked, but not too many. They mo, the vast majority of these games have been very competitive. The vast majority of these games, they have more shots on goal than the opponent. They have more hits than the opponent. Other stats I can go into, and they're very comparable, if not better. Face-off wins, they were losing that battle for the bunch of games, but they actually been doing better on that lately. I mean, it's takeaways. Okay, that one's been a tough one. But, you know, 
it feels like victory is within, you know, within, within arm's reach, within fingers reach. I mean, it's so close. And then, you know, and then some ball gets dropped, so to speak. And, and uh, some laps, some defensive laps, some weird puck bounce, something off. And they lose these games. And that's what I'm, I'm having a meltdown about. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being taking this too seriously, but I'm a passionate sports fan and I can't help it. But Nathan, talk, talk me off the ledge here. Where, you know, am am I, is this all should be expected or am I, am I, am I being unreasonable here? What's going on with this team? I don't think you're being unreasonable five in a row. We gave up seven goals against Anaheim. That's too much Uh, to lose five in a row. I, I don't really know where the fault lies. Uh, I think everything needs to work a little bit more. We could talk about, oh, it's the goaltending or it's panic with the puck. You know, I'm seeing all of that. I think that to cancel a practice, first of all, that's the last thing they need to do. I get he had his reasons. I wanted to talk with the team to cancel a practice. When I heard that, I, I was shocked. People that know me, they know that I'm a passionate fan as well, like we all are. And uh, you, you need to be on the ice. It's, you've got a job to do. And when you're struggling and you're losing, why are you not on the ice? You got to get to work. You got to iron this stuff out. You got to pick it apart, start from scratch. You were looking pretty decent in the preseason. And then the wheels start to fall off. It's not not too late to pull over and change your flat tire. But we've got games coming up that I'm a little iffy about, you know, two back-to-back games in Florida. God knows what that's going to look like. It would be nice to win that game in Buffalo, kind of bring it to the table. Right, that's after Florida, right. I said it yesterday before the game. I would really like it if we could just take it to Marc-Andre Fleury. Coming for me, that's a big statement. And uh, that just didn't happen. And he did exactly what Marc-Andre Fleury always does. Dazzles, (laughs) you know, and dances. And and, uh, he's kind of a ninja in the net. Well, is is Grubauer not being a ninja in the net? Is is as some of these? I mean, you know, every goalie lets in, you know, maybe a questionable goal here and there. But is this is this are this defensive defenseman lapses or or some of this on him? Is this getting to his head? You think? Got to be getting to his head. There's going to be players on the team that are like, God, this guy just can't stop a grapefruit. And then there's Grubauer saying, God, these guys are not helping me out at all. It goes both ways. It's got, that's why they're a team. It's not one person on the ice. You got five players and a goalie and they're not playing as a team as well as they all know they can. That's just my opinion. Watching these games, listening to some analytics and stuff on the radio and kind of going through it. It's amazing to me at five in a row, losses they haven't ironed out at least some stuff you you average two goals a game that's not going to get it done and you're allowing an average of four goals a game that's not going to get it done either I don't know I'm at a loss for words other than that it seems like you know I obviously watch other teams Uh, Jim you and I you know watch the Bruins and you know we see other people and these guys said you know when you have such chemistry I mean it almost looks acrobatic where you know, I'll see some players, you know, I noticed this on the Rangers uh, cracking game and the Rangers doing this, where flipping the puck behind them. There's always a guy there to pick it up. And then they, you know, pa- passing just beautifully back and forth. And I don't see that enough with Craig. I see these guys making passes where the guy, the, you know, the guy that passing to isn't there or he's not ready or it's too hard, hard of a pass 
or all that. And it just seems like a lot of fumbling around with the puck a lot. Has the chemistry gotten worse or are they just, they're just having tougher games come to them? Like what, what do you see happening here? Oh boy, where to start? Where to start? <laughs> um, you know, I think I've barked it out a few times uh, going back a couple podcasts ago. I'm all about holding on to lines from the get-go. You know, you had your camp lines, uh, your top six working out, pretty much no changing. Uh, they did okay. Everly was a little quiet, netting some goals, but he was involved in plays. And the other guys were were producing. So I was a little upset when automatically, as soon as Gord came back from injury, he was sliced right into the first line. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. Because McCann was playing so well. And he's still playing well. With um, Schwartz. Yeah, with Schwartz. And, you know, I, I've said it before. McCann is actually the key to this club. Because he's an all-around producer. And when he's on the ice, he produces. When he's not, they're losing. When he was gone for the COVID protocol, they were losing. That was kind of the start there of the losing trend. I just don't like, you know, you're talking about chemistry. And these are guys that all came in from other clubs, never worked together. A lot of people on the internet are always complaining about, you know, what do you expect from a team that's been together six weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they've been to camp. They've played enough. Chemistry it's been should- more than six weeks now. Yeah. You can play together without breaking up units. And it's frustrating as a player to move around from line to line when your coach is, in his mind, is trying to find a winning chemistry when he has short patience. He's kind of come back to that first line mentality, but the other lines are all over the place. Some of the bottom six has to do with injuries and returns, but I don't like the erratic line movement from game to game, period to period, shift to shift. These guys are never going to bond if you're never going to flow together if it's if it's always coming from behind or being down two goals early or whatever, trying to always catch up. Ford was even quoted in the interview yesterday about that. You know, we can't just come out and play from behind instantly. And that was so frustrating with the start of the losing streak in Arizona. This was the first game we scored quick. I think we scored in 16 seconds, and then we scored again at the 130 mark, somewhere around there. I felt good. I I happened to be at that 32 club at the the practice facility for its grand opening. And I was standing in a line watching that game on the big screen. I was like, oh, look at this. I actually feel relaxed and a little bit comfortable a minute and a half in the game with the two goal lead. But, you know, I know that that's a two goal lead is nothing, but I felt good for once. I, I wasn't stressed about their typical play. And then that game from there on was just a back and forth battle. And, you know, when you look at the numbers on that game, we outshot them. Our, our face-off dot was not good. They really took it to us in the hits, and then they were blocking a ton of shots. And grew that was a he had a soft game that game. There's no question yeah, about it. I agree. So the frustrating about that thing is, is it was just a back and forth, back and forth. And of course, you know, we tied it up late, and then they got that one right after it, and that was it. But that was the first time I'd ever heard a collective frustration from the entire fan base, new fans, old fans, experienced fans, what have you. Everybody was a little bit chapped off and you could hear it and people were releasing on the Internet and every forum. So that was I don't know how many games in that. I think that was like game 10 or something. It was like the patience ended right there. And sure enough, we've been on that five game streak since. So it's been frustrating for sure. What are they going to do to get out of it? I don't I mean, know. I mean, maybe it's an obvious thing. I score more and stop more goals, well, but I mean, it's a little more than that. Okay. So, you know, Chris, you nailed it on the introduction um, on the intro today about it's frustrating because if you look at, if you break down the numbers, they have outplayed many categories in many of these games. And we all knew going in, they were going to be involved in a ton of one goal games. Like, See, and I just wanted for any of our listeners who are new to hockey, 
expansion teams of old again you know we we have we we have this burden of the next team after vegas vegas is such an anomaly forget vegas folks in the past nashville anaheim minnesota go all the way back to the good old california golden seals whatever i mean all those in the stats they'd all be lower so that's what's frustrating about this Kraken team there's this talent there's this flashes or even a whole period or even two periods a really great play where they're controlling the game. That's when you're like, ah, this team can do it. It's not like, you know, oh, well, you know, it's just fun to be here thing. Yeah. They, they've, they've teased us with really good, good, some good skill. And then you're like, wait a minute, look at the scoreboard at the end of the game. How did this happen? You know, that's another thing. You brought up a good point. But in the modern day era, uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at the expansion teams that have come in from, say, 98, 99. You know, they've continually got better on the win column. Sure. And I, I, we did our predictions. Experts did their predictions. You know, I had this club. Ron Francis didn't come in to build a club and say, I expect my first 16 games to be uh, 4, 11, and 1. He built a club in his mind with his staff to be competitive and sh- and go for a playoff spot, hopefully. I had them personally at a 500 club would be successful. If we can get in, we can get in. I had us on the bubble. It's just not quite making it. I've had this debate with many people. And then we go back to the original punt. Well, I don't even want to call them pundits, just internet jockeys that have complained since day one that they didn't think our expansion draft was worthy at all. And we're a basement dwelling team and everything. I'm like, dude, that's a good team on paper. And it compared to 2017 Vegas, it's a better team on paper. If you look at them uh, stat for stat, but still, they're not performing to what Ron and Ron, they'll tell you that you've heard him speaking lately. He's not happy. He's made two road trips scouting in the last eight or nine days. There was an inter- interesting interview he had on the times. I mean, he, he held back, but he kind of, he let some pissed off vibes hold, slip there. I thought you, you could totally tell he was uh, holding back. And then Haxel for the first time in the press said some things that, it was like, you know, I'm expecting a save there or whatever. And I was surprised me that he said that on this last game against Chicago because I thought Groot played not bad at all. I thought he played a decent game. But he said that, and I thought, oh, there you go. Now you're starting the player-to-coach connection of a little, you know, bringing it out in the media. They need to turn it around here. Yeah, well, you've got the next five games are going to be brutal. But you know what? You play your best. And if for some reason, it, players can just play 60 minutes. The biggest problem is is it's hard to produce air-free hockey. And of the four major sports, this is the one sport that shines when you make a mistake. And it shines really quick. And it usually results in an odd man rush and a goal or something. They just ha- have to stop that and hopefully pull out a win or two on this, this five-game thing here against some big-time opponents. And I'm not sold on the, the Haxville system still. So We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, I compared to the other, you know, big sports and everything. Um, at least in my opinion, there's probably more parity in the NHL, where you know, on any given day, a team with a poor record could beat a team with a great record. We, we've seen that countless times. That are, you know, there some you know Bruins teams of the past where you know they're they oh great they're beating all the great teams and then they lose to you know a, a bad New Jersey team that year or something. We would see things like that. So. You know, if they, yeah, if they play some, you know, mistake free or as low mistake free, you know, hockey as you can, uh, any of those games are, are, are possible to win. But uh, they're going to have to have their A game for all three periods, not just, you know, what period and a half 
or two periods like we've seen. So it's something I don't know. But uh, yeah, Colorado, Washington, Carolina coming up uh, for home games. And uh, um, I'll be at all those games. I'm excited to see them. It was really cool just for more of a just a, a fanboy NHL kind of perspective. Again, it was our second original six team we got to see the other night. You know, seeing Patrick Kane and, you know, Tays, granted, he's not the quite the same player. He's not in there as much. But and even that was the first time I could see Mark andre Fleury uh, in person. It, it was kind of a thrill, too. I One thing I will also mention, too, it's interesting to see. And I don't I, I won't say this is maybe all the games. Curious if, you know, Nathan and Jim have noticed this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm big on, you know, you know, I'm, I'm yelling this. It's like, hello, can I hear it? Can I see a little sense of urgency here from anybody? And I'll say that in all the sports. And, and it's interesting to see guys step up. Everybody's favorite player, quote unquote, but he kind of is, Tanov. He looked like a man possessed at times. I don't know if you guys you know, caught some of the hits he was making there in the second and third periods. Tanov's sick of this shit. <laughs> you know, kind of look on his face. And, you know, and then I would say, and it's a lot of the other same guys. Eberly, Schwartz, McCann. It's something some, we're seeing like, you know, Gord, you know, Mr. Laugh after a fight kind of thing. You know, he's, he's going to say, but at least he's got his vibe and everything. I mean, I saw we kind of seen the same guys all the time playing hard or playing some skill. Maybe the puck's not bouncing for them, but it's like the guys we expect. That's nice to see some of the middling guys, some of the lower guys that that's who. And then even some of the defensemen, you know, uh, Giordano. Yeah. I feel good when he's got the puck, but the other guys, uh, it's kind of, you know, mixed bag. I'd like to see Alexiak with the puck less using his weight a little more Tanev. Yeah. He looked like he was out for blood. It was good to he, see. I mean, little guy getting aggressive, you know, I mean, I say little, he's bigger. Well, my kids are almost bigger than me, but to see him out there, just doing it all defense, offense, trying to block shots, everything is really good to see. Yeah, he's going back and forth on both sides of the rink. He's he's all over the place, and it just was very heartwarming to see, you know, because I'm like, hey, you guys are down three to nothing. Is anybody going to, like, you know, get on fire here? And uh, I agree with you on Alexiak. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, he's there for his brawn. I mean, he does bring things to the game. One of the things he doesn't bring to the game is speed. When he's beaten up, when there's a when there's a, 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 a forward from the opposing team gets halfway behind Alexiak, I'm like, oh gosh, I hope somebody else gets back there. <laughs> he just he's not gonna catch those guys. In fact, yeah. at least two times I've seen him get beat on 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 a goal because because of that. But that's not why he's in there. But uh, you would think. But it's uh, you know, like I say, I see him bringing some good things to the game. He's not a bad player, but he has a shortcoming. Yeah, you know, it's it's like asking Griffey to bunt. You know, it's just just slam some bodies and let some of those faster guys that you know can handle that puck a little bit better and let them get down the ice. I understand he's got a job. He's doing what he's told. But if it was me, I'd be saying, you know what? If you see that puck, just pass it to somebody else and hit somebody just hit them yeah i gotta i gotta intervene here on that uh, alexiak combo it's amazing i've been watching the games whether in person or at home but i i think i picked on it more at home i cannot believe and he must be getting the green light from the coaching staff how many times he jumps in on the offensive zone possession yes i've noticed it, that too I, and it kind of surprises me too because he is considered an all-around defenseman. He's not a sole defenseman or offense. He's just a right-down-the-middle guy. But it's amazing how many times he jumps in and goes down low in the corner and back behind the net and back to the point. 
and he's he's made some decent shots and everything but you're right this he can get caught on the speed on the back check uh one thing i've noticed too did you notice you know we had the world's most brutal power play for the longest time and we oh, still not the still... last now what are they next to last or second yeah. from last now yeah but it, it was hanging out at what was it uh like right around eight percent there for a long time oh, i think we're up brutal to for a while now. yeah but do you do you re- do you recall when they were putting uh alexiak right on the top of the paint for a couple yeah. of them? Yeah. And do you know what that reminded me? I remember when the Bruins were struggling in like 15, 16, not making playoff runs, and their their power play was sucking big time. They would stick Char right there, big body right on front. It it didn't do anything for us, you know, this time. But I thought that was interesting. You're pretty desperate as a coach when you're trying everything. And that's that's the general vibe going on right now. You're trying everything. And I don't I'm, I want a little more patience out of his original setup. Well, speaking of trying anything, this is a good little uh, uh, segue to our emails from the deep. Uh, we Folks, we love getting to interact with our listeners, and uh, we particularly love and appreciate getting emails and social media messages from you all. Please keep that up. Would you send us a note on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what have you, or send us an email uh, via the FanCast uh, website. Uh, please reach out to us if you ever have a comment or a question and uh each episode we aim to read one or two and we got one from uh jessica c in seattle the other day speaking <laughs> this reminded me here when you're like trying everything uh jessica asks explain why we keep pulling our goalie near the end of the games now i'm not sure whether jessica Je- this she may mean that as like kind of a, she may have a basic uh knowledge of hockey and not understand the pulling goalie thing so let's address that in the in the general basic sense but then also this is a thing that's been talked about uh a lot for uh, uh speaking of trying new things although the analytics say it's a smart thing of uh pulling a goalie usually you know you pull a goalie maybe within a minute you know within a couple of minutes maybe three over three minutes I, I don't I don't have this stat in front of me. What was it? Four or five minutes left or something in, in the in one of the game in the what was it, the Minnesota game, I think. And it was uh, over five. It was like five five thirty six or, or something. Yeah. And uh Grubau gets pulled. In fact, uh, we're all watching the game and it's like, uh, oh, what's going on? Where's Gru? Holy crap, where is he? Oh my god, he pulled, you know. <laughs> Did it so well let's Jim, can you talk a little bit or even Nathan, either of you guys, you know, just a basic thought about pulling the goalie. Let's just kind of go back to the hockey basics, but then let's also this is an opportunity to address uh what Hackstall was doing there in a couple of the games. All right. Uh so if we go back in the history of hockey, you know, it was first started just uh, when you're down one, two goals, whatever, and you're desperate in the waning moments of the game and you want to come back, you pull your tender out for a six attacker. And it, that's been going on forever. And there used to be the old standard, you know, one, one minute uh, to one thirty time. Nobody ever used to exceed that. That was it. And if you scored, tied it up, then great. And that was also going on in the generation of tie games and, uh, you know, no overtime play. So Yeah, no shootouts in those. No, there was nothing back then. So it was either tie or win, you know. Um, Then over the years, it it tended to morph in every league, not just the NHL. Uh, And and then Patrick Waugh, the old Montreal Canadian tender, Hall of Famer when he was coaching junior, in the QMJ did something that was unheard of at this seven something minute mark, I believe. 
And it kind of, everybody was talking about it then. And then I noticed other WHLers would do it, coaches, uh, AHL here and there. And it was, I don't want to say trendy. It was just different. And I think it was analytic based, no doubt. Um, it's not huge in the NHL, although, you know, now that we've seen it, <laughs> the first game we saw it in uh, was the middle of that road trip. And, um, or no, it was the homestand. And I believe it was the, yeah, it was the five five thirty or something mark. And I thought, what right. the heck, you know? I mean, we were down by two. Uh, it was, or actually, we were down by three, wasn't it? When it was four one, and then we brought it back to four two or something. And I thought, okay, well now you brought it back at the three minute mark to what it was, but. Uh, that's just too much time. I don't care what anybody says. It, psychologically, in your mind, as a player, and for most part, the coaches and staff, you're looking at it as a loss, but you're trying everything you can to bring it back to at least a point in the standings. And, um, you know, it's really rare to go beyond one goal and get it. And, you know, they were shooting for the moon and it didn't work. And then two days later, same scenario, not as bad, pulls at the three-something mark, three – 13 I don't know um and they got one back and that was more realistic of a, of a typical scenario with the pulling the goaltender and trying to come back there is no formula there is no anything other than general game feel vibe if you're controlling the game for the last three or four minutes in the zone anyway you feel good enough to do it if you're not, you're not going to do it until the last minute. If it's a back and forth battle, run and gun, you're not going to play that game. There is no, I'm not buying into the whole data and analytics on I That's nonsense. It's a freaking weird deal of, you know, six on five hockey is all it is. You can throw those numbers at me all you want and it trend it if you want. I'm not buying it. Um, I played the game too long to not see it work. So, yeah, well, I mean, we don't see that much in, you know, the NHL. I, I can't, you know. Granted, I haven't analyzed it that closely, but I, I was really taken aback. I mean, when I've watched, you know, a lot of older coaches, I, I don't, I don't see that, except maybe in an extreme rare case. Allison Lucan, we, you know, we like, you know, she does, you know, a lot of commentary and all, and so she kind of went on to this. I remember, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Tom Glasgow was asking her, like, well, what was up with that? And and she she went through the analytics yeah. and you know, the stats, and I'm like, okay, fair enough, but uh, it, I can see where it, where he came from, but uh, it really does have to come to, from gut feel too, doesn't it, of how your team's doing, or out of desperation, it's almost like, okay, our our, our team's losing here. Let's uh, play a trick play like you would in football and see if yeah. it will work. That's kind of what I felt it was. You you have to feel good about what your team's doing at that moment to even think about doing it, right? You know, a couple of years ago, I went to a Thunderbirds versus Portland game. And I'm not kidding you. There was about seven minutes and 40 seconds left. Seattle's down by one. They pull Hughes and Ottenbright, get a couple more forwards to kind of cycle on and off, tied the game, left the goalie out, scored another goal, put the goalie back in. They won by one one goal. What was the score before the first poll? Do you remember? Were they down by two? One they were down by one. Oh. They tied the game when they pulled the goalie, and then they left him out at a tie game yeah. with such confidence because I, I want to say it was like five to five at that point. I think I remember hearing about that. Was there any minor penalties in that last during any of that time? 
Oh man, I don't remember that. Because I mean, there, that would that would obviously make sense on top of it. But there was a ton of icing. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of panic. I mean, there's obviously been tons of scenarios where weird things have happened with pulling tenders and, and extra tackers. Well, I heard that Allison Lucan thing too, and I, I was, you know, I l- was listening. And I was sitting there thinking the whole time, you know, how much data is there on this to even create the study to begin with, as far as extra length over, say, two minutes? You know what I'm saying? And, and my, well, my argument is I understand the overall data and I, I respect analytics and I see yeah. data, but that's data with certain players. Now, now we're talking about the other thing. We, what did we just talk about for the last, you know, 20 plus minutes about chemistry right. and certain players in certain positions and certain lines. You can't. They're going to have to play like a hundred games if you can get real data from that. And these exactly. guys haven't had that in us. So you're kind of going by arguably, I mean, I would debate this, like, but you're kind of going by data based on what other teams have done. This team's too new to have much data. So I, you know, I don't, I know I hear you, Jim. I don't know. It's a tough call. I, you know, and this team's still trying to find itself in a lot of ways. And uh, obviously, we're going to be at our edge or our seats. These are fantastic games. I mean, going to Climate Pledge Arena. Nathan is finally going to make it to a game. We can't yes. wait to see him there. His first oh. one. Yeah, we tomorrow to, night. We get to Colorado. see. Basic, we basically get to see the whole crew when you think yeah. about it, which is kind of cool. And you're going to love it, Nathan. And I am bringing your inaugural patch for you. So thank you, Jim. Thank you. you. Bet you. Excellent. Right on. Can't wait. All right. Well, we've got our other buddy, Lou Chelios, coming up in a little bit. But before we get to his segment, uh, I want to take a minute to tell you about our new Patreon page. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it uh, easy for creators to get funding. Uh, Putting this podcast on takes a lot of time and some finances for equipment. So things like sponsorship and Patreon funding help us keep doing what we're doing. For patrons, it's a way to join uh, their favorite creators community, help with funding, and get some perks along the way. You can go to patreon.com slash krakenfancast, or it also works at krakenfancast.com slash patreon. Either way works, and uh, you can make your way there and uh, sign up. We have some great perks uh, that you all can get involved with, starting with uh, five bucks a month. There are three different tiers, uh, so the more you donate to support, the more perks you can get. Perks and uh, starting to include some email priority for emails from the deep, raw audio of our interviews, and uh, and notifications before anyone else on some uh, future Kraken Fancast merch opportunities, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So thanks much to all of those who've signed up so far, and we appreciate everyone's consideration for it. Also, we also have to uh, thank our sponsors so very, very much. We'd like to give big thanks, uh, particularly to our presenting sponsor, as I mentioned them at the top of every uh, episode, Silver City Brewery. Thank you, guys. Located in uh, Bremerton with uh, beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Look forward to having another Kraken fan watch party at the brewery uh, coming up in a few weeks and probably later in the season too. Uh, also, big thanks to our buddies at the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And also last, but certainly not least, we'd like to uh, thank our newest sponsor, Mojito, serving the best Latin American and Cuban food in Seattle area. Mojito has been serving Seattle's Maple Leaf neighborhood with uh, and beyond uh, with the authentic Latin cuisine, uh, bringing together some amazing food, amazing people, 
Mojito works to enrich our community. So check them out at mojitoseattle.com. So thanks to all our sponsors and uh, very, very much to keep us going. All right. Speaking of keeping going, Chelios, Chelios chatter this week. Lute's got uh, some talk about the baby Kraken, some of our prospects in the AHL and the juniors and the college ranks. Talking a lot about uh, what's happening with those guys. So, Luke, Chelios, take it away. Chelios here. How's it going, eh? Chelios with the On the Farm <laughs> Baby Kraken Report. We're going to take a look throughout the year, probably once a month, at the prospects and American Hockey League players, the future Kraken. Right now, we sit at 4, 11, and 1. Kraken definitely needs some help in the future. We've got some great young prospects to talk about on Kraken Hockey on the Farm. First off, we're going to take a look at Matty Beneers. Seeing a lot of number 10 jerseys around the climate pledge arena here in Seattle. Beneers was taken second overall last summer's entry draft. A young centerman out of New York and Michigan took him from Harvard during the COVID delays. Matty Beneers wanted to play some hockey at 18 years old. Transferred from Harvard to Michigan. Great story about Maddie. He wants to be a doctor. He's interested in dermatology, and he's studying on the side, even on uh, World Championship Hockey with professional hockey players. Maddie Beneers in his second year had a slow start, a little bit rusty. He's only played 26 hockey games in the last year and a half. But at 6'2", 175, adding a little bit of weight, He's going to be a big-time Seattle Kraken hockey star. Matty Beneer's record right now, 12 games, 9 goals, 6 assists, 15 points. And he's a future two-way NHL centerman. Matty Beneer's a sophomore at 19 now. Shoots left, center iceman, centering a crazy line with Kent Johnson and uh, Brendan Brisson. And 12 games, 9 goals now. Last year, he had 24 games, 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points, and future superstar coming to Seattle. Second on our list of the on the farm, a young hockey player out of Regina. Born in Calgary, his father was a defensive um, hockey coach, taught power skating. Riker Evans was a surprise second-round pick, 35th overall, left-handed shooting defenseman. Playing with the Regina Pats and future superstar Connor Bedard. Uh, Riker Evans was a surprise pick in the second round, but now turning 20 years old soon in December. Riker is a great offensive defenseman, kind of a Mark Giordano type of uh, transitional, great offensive player, great skater. He was very impressive in a couple of training camp games when he came into Seattle's training camp. So, Riker Evans is our second prospect we're looking at. And he's another name that we're following out of the Western Hockey League. Uh, I don't believe they'll be playing in the uh, Seattle area this this year. But the T-Birds and Everett and Spokane, they'll be traveling into Regina. So we'll keep track of Riker Evans and his progress in the Western Hockey League. And our third player that came to training camp and was very impressive. Fifth round draft pick, right shooting, right winger, Jacob Melanson out of Amherst, Nova Scotia, playing in the Quebec Hockey League for the Katie Bathurst Titan. Six feet, 205, over 200 pound forward with some great scoring skill. This year, after 17 games, 
Jacob has lit the lamps 10 times, adding three assists. So 13 points in 17 games. Jacob Melanson has a future shot at the NHL. Last year, in 18 games during COVID, he scored eight goals, 11 assists, 19 points. So he is also, like Beniers and Evans, a point-of-game player. And then down on the farm this year, just to remind you, we're building a hockey arena down in the Palm Desert. Keep track on Facebook, KrakenFanCast.com, KrakenFanCast in the Facebook group. Keep an eye on the uh, progress in the Palm Desert area, Coachella Valley Firebirds. We named the team on uh, November 5th. They're selling merchandise down there now. So the team will be going down to California next year. But some of the top Kraken prospects are playing in the Charlotte Checkers in the American Hockey League on the East Coast this year. Ronnie Francis, our GM, had some contacts in Carolina. They're splitting a team with the Florida Panthers, cutting some costs. We have uh, eight or nine players down there right now, including Riley Sheehan, who just was sent down last week. Our top player down in Charlotte is big six foot five, 200 pound former T-Bird, Alexander True out of Copenhagen, Denmark. He's a cousin of Nikolai Ehlers, star for the Winnipeg Jets. And it'll be a matter of time before we see this six foot five centerman pop into the Kraken lineup. A few players have disappointed on the bottom six. Mentioning Morgan Geeky, two goals in 16 games is just not cutting it. Well, Alex True, 12 games, six goals, six assists, 12 points down on the farm, and clearly is their top player, a 24-year-old prospect playing on the farm. So here's a look at the baby Kraken, the three stars of the month, Matty Beneers, Riker Evans, and Alexander True. Remember, folks, Keep your stick in the air and celebrate those cracking goals. All right, another great Chelios chat tour. Chelios chats his interviews and Chelios chatters his his uh, views uh, of some things happening. So that was a Chelios chatter, and thanks much, buddy, for that. All right, uh, again, we want to remind you to please uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitter. Uh, we're at Cast Kraken. Uh, is our twitter handle uh you also can find us on youtube or we have a youtube channel you can listen to us on spotify apple podcasts and even better yet just go right to our website krakenfancast.com uh we'll be back uh in a couple weeks with more talk uh hopefully our boys are gonna win some games and we're gonna be having big smiles and i'll i'll forget about all of the whininess that we just had tonight and they'll they'll, they'll write the ship but uh no matter what, we love our team here, and uh, they're bringing us a lot of excitement, and it's so fantastic to have NHL hockey in Seattle. So believe me, uh, we do not take this for granted. So anyway, thanks much. Thanks much uh, to my colleagues Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, Lou Chelios, and as always, our very fine producer, Jay Middleton. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, we must say, Go, go Kraken! Kraken.